to Pushing It, where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and life with a new baby. Because if you can't laugh without peeing yourself, you might as well laugh at yourself while doing it. I'm Elise McAllister. And I'm Jen Laird. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Woo! You know what's better in twos, Jen? What? You Ice and cream. me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Are we going to get this sappy today? Woo. (laughs) I'm just saying that if this was like a solo podcast, it might be really boring. (laughs) Oh my gosh. There is no way I would do a solo podcast. I can't interact with just myself for that long. Uh Uh-uh. That's weird. Although in one of our minivan minis, you got out of the car and I continued to talk. And all of a sudden there was this moment of like, (gasps) I don't know if I could do this alone. Um, and then you came back in like five minutes and it was all good. But, you know, <laughs> so we're better in two. And you just said ice cream. Two scoops of ice cream. Two scoops is definitely better than one. Definitely. Um, two helpings at the buffet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. All the buffets. Two <laughs> cups of coffee. Um, I will, in advance, pardon me for uh, the coffee I'm making currently. If you hear it, get her second cup of coffee. My second cup. The first cup was a little on the weaker side. I now have a teenage son who uh, also wants to drink coffee morning <laughs> in the morning time, and so uh, with two teenagers in the house drinking coffee, sometimes I don't get. I get a half a first cup and definitely not a second. So, oh no, that might yeah. be one time where two gets a little bit tricky. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You got to create the two. So, here's another thing um, people I'm sure are listening to our podcast, not because they want to hear us talk about how two is better than one. Do but they want to hear how it takes two hands to high five? Oh, they might. <laughs> oh, what um, were you thinking? Sorry. We're keeping it super positive here. As per uh, oddly, we usually go, I got a bone to pick and I got a problem. <laughs> uh, we're keeping it positive. What I'm thinking about is having two children and how it's actually in a lot of ways easier than having one. Okay, if we had like a sound effects board right now, this is the part where I'd push the brakes that went Yeah. Say what? Yep. So um, this podcast is a shout out to not only um, our friends who are expecting number two, three, four, five, et cetera. Wow. Um, I know. I just went for it. Um, But it's also a shout out to those who are like, oh my goodness. I'm expecting one. How could you ever even consider having a second? Because I'm hearing you guys talk about postpartum and I'm hearing you talk about pregnancy and I cannot even imagine doing that. Um, Or maybe they're postpartum with number one because lots of people want to have multiple children. And then right after giving birth, there's a look (laughs) that somebody gives me. 
right? How many, <laughs> how many times have you had somebody say to you, either while pushing or within yeah. 10 minutes of the baby being born, oh, gosh, yes. I think this might be my only child. Uh-huh. Um, don't make family planning decisions in the labor room. No, 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 never. <laughs> seems, seems obvious while we're talking about it, but yes. you might find yourself there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So how do we go from, oh no, I am never going to do this again to, uh, I got another one on the way. I guess that's mm. kind of a funny question because how do we get there? I think we know mostly how we get there. Yeah. There's a yeah. variety of ways we can get there, but, um, this might also be a plug for, um, you know, Hey, you can have a baby while breastfeeding. Um, and if you want to know more about that, um, you can just email me and I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> I have the, the way through a pregnancy. And the children. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so I breastfeed, breastfed through my entire pregnancy. So I'm oh, there with you. With the second one. Yeah. With the second one, not my first. <laughs> That's hard to do. <laughs> that takes some science, some real science right there. Or really close friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Something. Anyway. Um, so this is, uh, wait, what, where were we going with that before? I think we were talking <laughs> about... Derailed. <laughs> breastfeeding is not a form of birth control there we go yes i mean yes. it it can be helpful but not foolproof by any means it's not foolproof no. um so that is a different story for a different day but today we're talking day. about here you are with baby number two or more mm -hmm. on the way and you might be thinking how am i ever going to have two Oh, wait, no, we were talking about the positive things about having two. Well, you know, I like to pick a bone. So, oh, let's yeah. Just okay. You want to pick your the, bone uh, first. Let's go back to this. How am I ever going to survive this? And I okay. think just as much as we've had people look us in the eye and say, hey, I'm done having kids within a few mm -hmm. minutes of giving birth, we've had just yep. enough people sit across from us saying, I don't know how I'm ever going to have two kids. Yeah. Yeah. True. And they do it. Uh-huh. I think for myself, my biggest worry was how are we ever going to get out of the house? Hmm. Yeah, I would have to agree with that, particularly because of the age of typically that first child when you um, think about having a second one. Um, and sometimes they're not walking yet or they're not walking well, or they don't know how to um, listen effectively and take instructions slash you're still just trying to keep this little person alive. Right. Right. Or they might be old enough to take instructions and do some things for themselves, but you haven't really relied on that. I think, you know, my right. kids are three years apart almost. And my daughter was able to do a lot of things on her own, but we never needed a system of like, there's carrots in the fridge with hummus next to it. Every day, you're in charge of grabbing that as your snack. Sure. And that wasn't really required before 
Wait, I had does a your second. three-year-old do that? Yeah. That's impressive, Elise. Wow. Oh, yeah. We had lots of snacks ready to go for her in the fridge. And she would help herself to those snacks as she needed them. Oh, that's fantastic. But huh. had I not tried, I may not have known she was capable of it. Yeah. I have, I had, because she's bigger now, but when she was little, she was one of those kids that really just wanted to be a big girl, which makes for a great big sister. Um, right, And right. so I think that's, that's often common. A lot of kids want to be big and giving them some responsibility when a new baby is on the way, like, hey, you're big now can be yeah. really helpful, but also not totally. only making it about, you know, move over. You're no longer a baby because there's a baby on the way. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one thing, let's, let's pop out with some um, good things, first of all, about um, adding to your family. So having that second child. Um, one of the first things I think of is how much easier it is when that second child is between sort of six and nine months old, or maybe oh, even yeah. earlier than that. And what I'm thinking of is those can be grouchy, kind of grumpy days. <laughs> um, pardon the dog, um, who is grouchy and grumpy at the people who are walking down the street. Um, and what happens is that first child gets to then be automatic um, entertainment for the second child, which can make for those times being actually so much easier um, with the boredom. So like, gosh, you can't crawl. You're annoyed uh, and your attention span is short, but what do I do with you um, in those developmental appropriate developmental milestones and it can get annoying um right for the baby and for us as caregivers too um so that is a major bonus for having that second one is that often there are you've got built-in entertainment it's fantastic i'm gonna say is my favorite part of having two is that the entertainment is just built in and so it's so easy to say, you guys go play outside together. Um, Now and then one of my daughters will have a sleepover and the other one won't be here. And we try to make it really fun. Like, Hey, you're only kid today or tonight. But really they're like, what am I supposed to do without my sibling? I'm so bored. Right. Wonderful. And sometimes I even have to confess a little bit. Sometimes when they're like, we're bored, what do we do? I'm like, I had another kid. So you guys could entertain each other. Go do that. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Parenting Um, confession. Totally. I'm also thinking of with um, this, having more than one child, I firmly believe makes people better human beings. Um, Sorry if you're an only child. You're a great (laughs) human being. I just, I love you. Um, and I feel like having siblings teaches you, um, real world life skills and beautiful characteristics like empathy, patience, taking turns, um, understanding the whole freaking world does not revolve around you and you don't get (laughs) everything you want. Boy, Jen, these are really big 
<laughs> I don't know but if big true. expectations for siblings or so much like that's not happening for only children. And that's not what we're saying. I want to. No, I wanna... <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I don't mean to get down on the only child, but I'm also thinking about, okay, my kids from the time they were tiny little people, because I had two of my kids super close together. Um, I honestly had to go with who's crying the loudest and sounds um, like they need the most immediate attention because there were times where both of them, and I'm just thinking of my younger two, were crying at the same time. And sometimes all three of them were crying at the same time. And you go with who sounds <laughs> the most heartbroken. Um, well, first of all, who could potentially be in physical danger or harm? Um, <laughs> secondly, who um, seems to be the most brokenhearted? And then occasionally, um, what would trump it all would be um, who's the youngest? But that baby didn't always get the first immediate attention. Sometimes my toddler got the immediate attention. And I think what it helped me to see was they continue to grow and develop and there's lovely attachment even when their their needs are not met immediately. I think it it yeah. it's not it's not that we are um how do you say it? It's not that we are um, neglecting anyone, but it's almost like, hey, there's a lot of people in the world and I am so going to get to you. And in the meantime, you know, I love you and I'll be there in a sec, you know? Right. Um, and I think that that potentially over time builds resiliency, maybe. I don't know. I might be taking that a bit too far, but it definitely builds this idea of like, okay, you got to take your turn. And the world is not all about me. Sometimes it's because somebody else needs, you know, and to be quite honest, I'd say even as my children are way past toddler stage um, and feelings continue to be big and sometimes reactions to circumstances are big. And there is occasionally where two people have um, a desire to talk to me and emotionally process something. And I'll say, <laughs> actually, right now, this child needs me and I'll say their name more than you do. You'll need to wait just a moment. Because um, emotions continues to be big. It's not so much physical needs anymore as much as it is like, hey, this person needs me. So wait right. a it's second. It's not about a peanut butter sandwich. It's about... It's I need to things. process something. Yes. And yeah. sometimes um, in both the toddler stage and in the teenage stage, that person who is being asked to wait actually figures out their problem on their own or the problem just disappears because they go, oh, I guess it's not that big of a deal that I need help with this toy right now. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, and I think even as they become adults and grow up, I think having somebody that has this shared experience of oh, we've huge. been in this family together, we've oh, yeah. experienced life in not the same way, but life in our family, life being oh, yeah. brought up the same way. You know, I my totally kids agree. can share the, we've been on these trips together. We've, um, you know, we just moved. A lot of our listeners know this, you know, together they are processing how it feels to be in a totally different house now and yep. what that's like. And when they started a new school, not with our move, um, they processed how that felt. 
Yeah. So yeah. I think there's a lot to to say about having siblings and there's a lot of beauty with that. And there's, yeah. If you have a sibling, you probably know that. Um, unless they drive you crazy. <laughs> Which right. I also think is really healthy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we're totally biased because we have multiple kids and we also have siblings. Yes. So. I have um I have a very good friend that occasionally I will feel frustrated with. And then I have to remember, oh my gosh, she's just like my sister who I love so much. But there's something that if I like can put it in a different frame of mind where I go, oh, she's like my sister in both in a lot of this is personality stuff. And as soon as I remind myself how much she's like my sister, I have so much more compassion for her. Otherwise, I just feel annoyed. (laughs) I love it. My sister's probably the only person who can drive me as crazy as she does and still be so in my life. (laughs) Except for maybe me, right, Elise? It's true, Jen. It's true. That's because we're basically married. (laughs) So there's a lot of beauty of having multiple children and to being a sibling. So... How the heck do you prepare yourself and this first child that had it all Mm. to have this, I don't know, earthquake, disruption, ball drop on their life? There's my my Debbie Downer for you. Really, their world is about to get rocked. And it might feel a bit like your world's about to get rocked when you've got another one on the way. There's nothing that I find harder than feeling like, all right, I think today I've got this mom thing down. Like, Uh I don't know. I made some school lunches and I knew how to do it. I did laundry and I got it into the dryer and put it away. That's that there. That's a huge day. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the next day, everything changes. And what I thought I knew about being a mom doesn't work the next day. And I think, um, it can feel that way when you've got another one on the way, like, Oh, I've got this down. I've got a system on how to have one. How do I add another? Um, step one, take a deep breath. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and maybe we should all just take a collective deep breath yes. with you right now. So if you're in your car or wherever <laughs> you are, it's okay to. Okay. That was really annoying. Go. I thought that was um, so loud. <laughs> I bet. Okay. First of all, you're going to take a deep breath. You're going to remind yourself as you look around the world, thinking about your friends, your family, um, and the world at large, most people have siblings. And they're functional people in the world. And somehow um, their parents have figured out how to care for them. So I know that sounds like maybe kind of, um, I don't know, sarcastic. But no, really it doesn't. It. Because I think you're right. Like, it, we often hear people say, I feel like I'm going to ruin this little person's life. Yep. Or I'm, you know, damaging this kiddo's life by adding another one. And that is not what we see long-term. And I, when I say we, it's not you and I as doulas. Like that is not what we as all the people see is as a society. We don't hear people saying my life was 
awful because my parents had more than one kid. Right. 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 So I think there's that. And for me, this is just a personality thing. When I can look around and go, oh yeah, other people have done it. Somehow there is this confidence within me to go, I might believe in myself as well, that I can do this. Um, I think that sounds super basic and yet it's really profound. Um, Secondly, um, I think a major question that I had while pregnant with my second was, um, how will my heart grow to love this child as much as this other one? Because man, I certainly love her and I'm not sure how that's going to work. Right. And which is the uh, like, am I not going to love this baby as much? Mm -hmm. And I think that's um, maybe uh, I have no research behind this and no psychology, but I'm just going to throw out there um, an assumption I make. I think that's actually a good thing because it shows that you are well bonded with your first and you are wanting to connect to your second in a similar way. Um, so if you haven't asked that question, you're fine. But for those of you who are asking the question, how about turning it around to actually look at it in a really great way that developmentally you really want, um, to love the second baby and you really love your first. And I wonder too, if you look back at what was it like to be pregnant with your first and wonder, oh man, what if this kid comes out all ugly? Will I still love it? What if it, you know, honestly, I, yeah, maybe that was just me. Maybe nobody else thought that, but I certainly did. I was like, what if it's ugly? What if, um, what if I don't feel attached to this child? What if I'm not good at this? What if lots of what ifs, right? So, um, I think look back as well in your own experience of if it took you, um, if you didn't come out and feel immediately bonded to that baby remember that we are telling you that that's okay. Some folks fall in love at first sight and other people, it takes a little bit of time for love to brew. And so it might take months for you to feel really connected to that baby. That's completely fine. So remember that as well. Um, but to know that um, you, your heart has so much more room for love. It's not a limitless tank. It's, um, it's a connection mm-hmm. that goes beyond, um, you know, our, our constraints of friendships or romantic attachments as well. I love that. I love the, it's not a bottom or it's not a, it's a bottomless tank. Yeah. Um, and now I'm not saying it as well as you did. Um, it's okay. But there, there isn't a limit to it. And I think that mm-hmm. is something that we often feel physically yes. while we're pregnant, even with our first, is that my heart is expanding feeling. And, yeah. you know, not all of us feel it in the, I feel like my heart is expanding, but some yeah. of us feel a little like, oh, shoot, why am I so emotional? Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it, it brings your heart a little further out of your body. Mm, that's interesting. Um, it feels so sappy when I say it, but I truly mean it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's I why we're so saying. vulnerable. Right. So, there's my sappy right. thought for the day. Yeah. I like yeah. that. So confidence, not only in um, that your heart can get bigger or just make more room 
Um, it's not limitless, but also um, thinking about all of the things in your life that you thought were really hard and you weren't sure that you could do. For me, confidence breeds confidence. Um, I, when I, I tend to have a personality where I look at something and go, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to do that. Or if I think of different scenarios that could happen, um, then I'm like, oh no, I can never handle that. And I can get a little bit overwhelmed. And that um, tends to happen to me right before I'm about to enter a really difficult situation. Um, and I have to pause for a second and then I can step into it. And I'm actually really present. And um, it probably is one of the things that makes me a really great birth worker um, is because I can kind of put that on the side and step in. Um, but when I, um, am kind of overwhelmed by, can I do this in my life? If I look back at the things that I have been able to do, it really gives me more strength and determination for going forward into something new. Um, it gives me confidence. I like to say confidence breeds confidence. So mm -hmm. there might be something that you need to reflect back on and go, oh, I didn't think I was going to be able to do that, but man, I did it. Um, well, that's why I believe we go through labor and birth, right? Mm -hmm. No matter what that birth looks like to say like, yeah. wow, I faced those challenges, whether that was physical or emotional, could be about mm -hmm. decision making, any of those things. When you get through that, you get to the other side and you're like, wow, I used some strength I didn't realize yep. I ever had. Yep. Now you can parent the child. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Becco makes award-winning ergonomic baby carriers that are simple, functional, and stylish for the modern parent. If you're looking for one carrier that can do it all, look no further than the Becco 8, our 8-in-1 all-season carrier. With an infant insert, built-in headrest, sleeping hood, waist belt pocket, removable lumbar support, and a zippered panel with 3D mesh for breathable comfort, it's the one carrier you'll ever need. Shop now at BeccoBaby.com. All right, Elise, should we get a little more practical with some of our tips? Yeah. Now that we got all wishy-washy, not wishy-washy, we got all lovey-dovey, wishy-washy, and uh, vague, now let's, let's, let's give them the real survival tips to having mm -hmm. to. Because <laughs> sometimes it. it's about survival, especially mm -hmm. if your number one is quite tiny. Um, Remember back when number one was born and you and perhaps your partner were in straight up survival mode. Everything yeah. you guys did, you did together to survive the early days. Sometimes I have to have conversations with part or with parents and say, you know, you don't have to get up in the middle of the night um, to like together to like you know, right. be in it together. It's not like, well, <laughs> if she's not sleeping, then I shouldn't be sleeping because, uh, oh, yeah. you know, right. Like, wait, 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 hold on. It's not about that. Like you guys can sleep off and on and take turns, but I think there's, there's something about being in it together and trying to yes. survive the first, um, weeks of parenthood. Now that's going to look a little bit different when you've got a second one on the way. Yeah. But going back to that survival mode is totally okay. 
So know that if you've got one parent sleeping with number one, who may or may not be sleeping through the night at this point in your life, and you got another parent sleeping with baby number two, this is not permanent. Like all things, nothing is permanent, right? right? Nothing. Nothing's permanent. So I think remembering that and that it's okay to have survival mode, no matter how different that looks right? Um, in those first days. Yeah. I think um, something to potentially expect or to be aware of, maybe not expect, but to be aware of is that in that survival mode, there might be a little less connection potentially between mm-hmm. you and your partner. Um, the reason I say that is that um, before, when you were just doing this brand new, you were probably a little bit on a little bit of a high, like, woo, we got a baby home. Now what do we do? Okay, let's just dig in and, and figure this out. And then when number two comes along, it's a little bit more divide and conquer. So right. often that looks like, um, you know, mom is up in the middle of the night. If she's breastfeeding, breastfeeding baby. Um, And then dad has probably, or partner has taken um, off some time potentially from work to be around. Um, For some folks, that's like a week, maybe two. It's usually not too much longer than that, unfortunately. Um, And so partner is off with that other, with number one, right? Like maybe getting out of the house, maybe um, just entertaining in the house and probably taking more of a primary care role with the older child than with a newborn. So um, be prepared for potentially feeling like my partner doesn't love this baby as much as they loved the first one. I I doubt it. Yes. I totally doubt it. Right. It just takes, there's, there's a divide and conquer. So if there could be a theme for survival with number one, it's in it together, in solidarity, yeah. and there might even be, like I said, solidarity and sleeplessness. That's that's yeah. not necessary. But now <laughs> the theme is switching to divide and conquer. And yeah. so um, you guys might be a little bit more onto the idea of, oh, we, we need to uh, rest when we can rest totally. and also realize there's less time for rest. So I yeah. think the bigger picture right here looks totally different. And so you mm-hmm. might be doing something you've already done before, but it's going to look really different the second yeah. time around. Yeah. There's also the magic of knowing what you're doing. Oh yeah. my goodness. What are the commercials yeah. that are like, if you could parent your first, or maybe it's a book, I don't know. Um, there's all that talk about if you could uh, be like a second time parent to your first baby. Right. But there's also those commercials about like, Oh, that's you know, a commercial. Yes. Right. So like, oh, like checking the temperature of the bath water and they're just like doing all these things and it shows them having the second baby and it's like, what? you know, it's all safe and down. fine, but they're, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. A little less panicked. And yes. You're going to be like that too. It's okay to yeah. do that way. You found your group, you found your confidence. You've been doing this for a little bit longer. So rely on that. You've, yes. you've had success. Yeah. Um, and, you know, be gentle on yourself when you define success because sometimes, you know, I, I personally was like, did I have success? My kid's not sleeping. We're still yeah. nursing. Um, I, I still haven't mastered the me time yet. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm still feeding that kid. I'm still, you know, 
getting myself dressed on most days when I need to. And right. Definitely dressing that kid. And the kid always had had, uh, clean diapers when she was in diapers. So that is the new definition of success. (laughs) Right. So (laughs) I'm going back to partners. I find too that um, sometimes partners have this understanding and this intuition um, about how to handle number one child versus Mm. number two because they have been connecting with that child, say, two, three, four, however old that child is. And then this new person comes into the world who it's not about love or like, it's more about who are you? So the disadvantage is that the person who grew that baby and birthed it has that connection with that baby. Like, hey, I knew what it felt like to have you moving inside of me, etc. And so partner can sometimes have this bit of, wait, who are you? I certainly know how to interact with that older child, but I'm not sure who you are. And it's not intuitive quite yet. And it's going to take some time. Um, yeah. And or it's, not a- it's less about connecting with that first or with that second baby. It also could be their way of connecting with that second baby is by being sort of the protector of that baby. True. Uh, you know, a lot of times when the second one comes along, the first one might be in a block throwing, flailing um, sure. arms, you know, a little unpredictable. We've certainly heard stories of kids that are a little bit more jabby with their fingers yep. when they want to look at baby poke right in the eyes. Yep. And so if the other, the parent who didn't give birth is a little bit more focused on that one, in a way they're, pro- they're protecting that baby. Mm. My first had some wicked stomach bug right after our second was born. And my wife was out, you know, she was, she was really focused on keeping our oldest yeah. away from the baby. And it wasn't because she wasn't connecting with the baby. It was, we, we yeah. cannot get this baby sick or me yeah. sick after giving birth because right. number one has a fever and she's vomiting everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about yeah. confidence building though. We were like, we've yeah. never done so much laundry and we got through it and yep. everybody was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would encourage a um, conversation between you and your partner before number two comes along to kind of remind each other that developmentally how different this child will be. Okay. So the ways that you connect with that first child are going to be different than the way that you connect with that baby. Um, I'll share a quick personal story and why I encourage this conversation is my sweet dear husband. Um, (laughs) We had a just two-year-old who loved to be thrown up in the air and to be (laughs) tickled and wrestled and engaged with in those active ways that a two-year-old does. And then the newborn came along and he is great with babies. He's not afraid of them. He has a firm touch and isn't like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going to break you. Like he's great. Except for maybe two weeks down the road after that baby was born and he takes her above his head and gently, he doesn't, like, she doesn't go airborne, but it was enough that I think I made a a big noise, like, ah, what are you doing? (laughs) I don't clearly remember what I said or did, but immediately my husband was like, oh, sorry, I'll never do that again. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) she's a baby. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. And that <laughs> is not because he's a jerk, but that was simply like, this is intuitive to me of how to engage with a child, except it's not developmentally appropriate because she's a newborn, right? Right. <laughs> so maybe just have a quick check-in about remembering how, um, how little they are and how much time they want with them. Um, I would say um, sometimes the non-birthing parent at night may have been engaging with that um, number one a lot and not really want to actually hold the baby. So is that because they don't like the baby or are interested? I would say most likely not. Um, what I would say is probably they feel touched out and they're exhausted. Yeah. And um, I think in, again, I wish this is a tip that someone had kind of told me because I probably had a not gracious conversation with my husband about that. Like, don't you like the baby? Why aren't you interested in holding the baby? You always held the first one. Like, you know, mm. it totally makes sense now in reflection that I would ask those questions. But I kind of wish somebody had told me what I'm telling you guys is that maybe just like I felt touched out at times having a two-year-old and a newborn with someone needing to nurse and someone else wanting to read a book or crawl on me that I was like, uh-uh, I don't, know. don't give me a hug, husband. I'm, I'm done, you know? Right. And it's, it's not rejection, but it's rather, I'm just, whew, I need to take a deep breath here and be by myself. <laughs> um, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And, you know, that's so interesting because I, I think it's really common for, uh, for moms, right, after having a second, or maybe mm -hmm. not right after, but not long after, to feel this sense of, like, where am I? I want to find something for me. And I've seen a lot of moms, yeah. you know, start taking yoga or right. um, I feel like I'm giving only exercise focused um, examples, but going back to the gym, but these weren't about, I want to, you know, bounce back or lose the baby weight or whatever that, you know, would make yeah. me want to scream. It's about where's my thing or whatever their hobby right. is going back and doing that thing. Often yeah. there's just been so many years and so much time of giving to kids, especially yep. when you're pregnant and caring for another little one. Right. And then you've got this baby and now you've got two. You might be feeling really touched out and really yeah, not done with giving, but I don't know that that's even an option. But feeling kind of exhausted from being yes. mommy so much that they're like, wait, what if I have just a little bit of myself? Right, um, and right. so if you feel that, I think it's okay to, to say, I know it's okay to say, what's my thing and when, how can we make time for it? Right, right. Yeah. Good point. All right, Jen, you've got some really amazing practical tips for bringing baby home or even back that up, bringing number one to meet number two before mm -hmm. you go back home. So yeah, let's go there. Yeah. Okay. First of all, if you're having your baby um, not in your home, so hospital or a birth center, um, let's just say this. It is not terrible for you to not have that child come and visit you in the hospital or birth center. 
Does that make sense? Thank you. Let's imagine that two and a half year old comes into your hospital room. You're sitting on the bed and you're holding this baby and she is going to crawl up on, want to crawl up in the bed with you. We all know how big hospital beds are. Not big. We all know (laughs) all the things that are potentially in that room that she could fiddle with or needs to move around, or investigate, or fall off the bed, may or may not have happened to me. Remember that conversation about jabby fingers and flailing arms? Yep. Mm -hmm. So there you are in a hospital bed um, trying to, you know, protect the baby and protect yourself (laughs) from like you're sore, right? You're really sore. And you've got this wild two-year-old who is just being their typical lovely self, right? So I'm not saying don't have the child come to the hospital by no means. No. But what I'm just saying is anticipate that it should be a, a short visit and B that older child should have somewhere to go afterwards. That's exciting. So that they're not throwing a fit going, what? I don't want to leave mommy. Right? Right. So that kids stay, you know, someone else brings um, older child to the hospital to visit. You're probably having that meeting be 10 to 15 minutes. That meeting needs to be after the child is fed, clothed, and napped. So not like, you know, let's go visit the hospital and then go home and take a nap, right? Like that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> Nobody wants to be that kid. No. <laughs> They're like, oh, I have to go to bed now. I saw my- yeah. Anyway. Um, so- <laughs> my kids still don't want anybody going to bed before the other person. So that, oh. that takes a long time to grow out of. <laughs> yes. Um, and then secondly, having somewhere exciting to go afterwards. So it's kind of um, the hey, we're going to go and meet your brother at the hospital and say, see mommy. And then we're going to go get ice cream or we're going to go to the park or we're going to whatever it might be. So that that kid has this idea of now I get to go do this second thing. Right. Right. So um, whatever it is has to be more cool than what you're currently doing. Exactly. (laughs) So um, second um, tip there would be once um, you are going home to rejoin your family at home, um, I would suggest having older sibling um, take baby around to, um, to do a bit of a tour of the home. The idea behind this is our baby has never been to our house before or your house saying that to the older child. And so um, she doesn't know where anything is. She doesn't know where she's going to sleep or what your favorite stuffed animal is or whatever it might be. And so having that baby who may or may not be sleeping in a car seat and get toured around the house, that's totally fine. (laughs) Um, It's it's this idea that the baby has joined this older sibling's um, life and not that everything stops and we focus on the baby. Um, it's, it's giving that older sibling a sense of ownership of their place in the family system. Um, in my family, we have some really cute pictures of, um, this is what we did when we had number two join us. And, um, there's some really sweet pictures. I put the baby down on the bed of the three-year-old, I mean the two-year-old, sorry, 
Um, and again, baby is completely asleep, but older sibling comes over and shows all of her favorite things to the baby and is very, very sweet and connecting and, um, adorable. So that can be a really great tip, but, um, I think we also want to avoid saying the word no, um, and looking for positive affirmations for the way that, um, older sibling interacts with baby. So case Tell me more. Yeah. Saying yeah. no. Oh I boy. I'm all about saying no and we won't get too much into um, parenting politics here, but um, <laughs> the underlining idea here is that um, when an older child, let's say uses those pokey fingers around the face and eyes, let's, instead of saying, no, don't do that. You're going to hurt the baby you can take gently redirect. So take hands away from of older child away and say, oh, baby loves it when you kiss his toes or his feet or when you touch him here, if you pat his, his feet or his hands. And um, make it positive. Make it a positive. And then when baby does interact in a way and to reaffirm that like, oh, see, he really likes it when you do that this way. So positive affirmations around that. Um, of course, there is potentially going to be some no, don't do that. But I would say um, trying to keep it a little bit more on the affirming rather than no, don't do that. Um, and, and, and be prepared for quite a bit of redirecting of Um, I know you're really interested in the baby, but let's redirect you to come over here and do this thing. Because some some older children are actually just a little bit too curious and interested in that baby, Um, meaning they're developmentally not understanding cause and effect and could, you know, potentially (laughs) hurt baby, right? Um, And at the same time, remembering that babies are really, really resilient too. I think there's... Um, not to sound like I'm playing devil's advocate, Jen, sorry, but remembering that, you know, your, your baby is actually really resilient and your baby is going to be a little sibling. So, um, we don't want baby to get jabbed in the eyes or anything like that. Um, but also remembering that siblings are going to figure out how gently they need to touch their siblings. Some of that is to be expected. And if you're a little sibling, you've probably survived that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would also add that there are older siblings who have no interest in younger siblings at first. Right. So good friends of mine who um, are very connected as a family, very emotionally attuned to each other. When um, older child was two and younger sibling came along, um, Older's older sibling had zero desire to hold his little brother for a couple of weeks. And I would be around and I would, um, you know, I would ask if, hey, did you, you know, almost to include him in uh, on everybody else who was holding the baby. Hey, did you want to take a turn? No. And like, seriously would not even look at that child. And about 10 days in, um, he goes and sits next to his mom and snuggles. And then he says, I want to hold the baby or probably not quite those words. Cause he was two. And then from then on, there was this real interest in the baby that was completely different. Um, so to reassure 
that it's, it's not rejection. It might be just their way of dealing with change is to have very little interest in sibling. And I'd say, don't push it. Just let them sometimes too developmentally, if you're pushing a two or three-year-old to like something, they're going to do the complete opposite (laughs) and not like it. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, Gosh, I feel like I have so much more to say on this topic. Um, but I guess we should think about closing. Um, I, I, I want to leave people with this um, like almost group hug here of affirmation. You're going to be okay. Like you can do this. And there are going to be times where there might be all three of you crying, maybe four with also um, uh, other parent. Um, and that's okay. And that reminding yourself no feeling is permanent reminding Mm. yourself you have done hard things and that there is so much joy and precious memories if you keep your eyes open to them along the way. Don't get overwhelmed so that you actually don't see the beauty that's around you because you're concentrating too much on the chaos. Mm. I love that. Yeah, that's, those are great tips. And, you know, there, there are so many other pointers that I think we could give to new parents about this. Yeah. And, you know, we will, we'll throw some lists out there uh, for show notes and available for you guys. But I think exactly what you're saying, you know, there is, there's so much more than picking out a present for a big sibling from the baby or yeah. um, teaching your older one how to hand you the wipes when you're right. changing diapers. We hear those all the time. But this is this is a big stretch for everybody going through this. And don't forget that this is a stretch for you too. I think yes. we worry a lot about, is the sibling going to be okay through this? Is the sibling going to be okay? And we forget about wow, I'm going to make a big leap here. And right. that is okay. I remember thinking to myself, one kid feels like we've got a kid. Two is like, we're like a whole family. This is a big deal. <laughs> not, not, not to say those people with only one kid are not a family, no, but I no. was like, you know, we're just not a person with like, you know, a person with a kid anymore. This is like, right. there's, there's a group of us now, you know? Yes. And that yeah. feels really different. And I don't think that there's a parent out there who's added another kid who hasn't felt like they're going to take a big leap. And so mm-hmm. trusting that leap, like, like you've had to so many times. So yeah. on that note. Yeah. We'd love to hear your tips and your questions and anything else you have to say to us about adding another one to your life, you can find Mm -hmm. us on Instagram with Pushing It Podcast and on Facebook. And uh, I think, Jen, are you pouring me another cup of coffee? I am. (laughs) I I need a third cup today, I'm telling you. You too may need a third (laughs) cup when you've got another one on the outside. So uh, on that note, cheers. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening.